Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. <laughs> Second Timothy, if you have your Bibles. Uh, some of this, if you were here Wednesday night, some of this may sound a little familiar. I'm going to um, kind of start off the same way that I did Wednesday night, but go a little bit different direction. Uh, I want to pick up our series on breaking the back of lack. How many of you believe that God wants to break you out of poverty and lack? You know, we don't, we don't want to continue on in what this, this mindset, this poverty mentality uh, this region needs to be liberated. You need to be liberated. God has not called you to continue on in bondage to the old way of doing life. And, uh, you know, I love, I love what Kathy said. You know, she, she openly uh, was very vulnerable, and thank you for that, in, in saying that she got herself in a little bit of credit card trouble, and she had to give her credit cards to her husband to control and, and all of that. And God is still faithful to bring her out of that. And uh, he's, he's working that out for her. But she recognized that there was a problem. She's, this, the, the word of the Lord is illuminating her, her life. The word of God is illuminating her path. The Holy Spirit is reminding her, showing her the word of the Lord concerning her finances and how to get out of lack, how to get out of the poverty lifestyle. I think I can say that. You know, she was sharing... Um, a couple weeks ago about just that's just how it's always been that's just part of the regional thing and that's just kind of how it always is and and how to break out of that the holy spirit's been showing her and that was part of that process of breakthrough she had to take responsibility for what god was speaking to her you can't come to church on sunday and hear good preaching and experience the presence of the lord and have him illuminate things in your life and go back and continue the same way and expect to have breakthrough that's not how this works you have to take responsibility amen you have to take responsibility for the word of the lord that he's given to you he's entrusting you he's stewarding you with his word and when you take responsibility for that and steward what god is giving you then you can begin to have what God said you can have. Amen? If you don't steward the word, if you throw your pearls before swine, as the Bible talks about, if you, if you don't take responsibility for the word, you don't take responsibility for your life, then don't expect the breakthrough. But if you want to come to the table of the Lord and feast on his word and feast on his goodness and take responsibility for what he's placed in front of you, watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. I, I like what Brandon said that, Lord, this is kind of fun. And then, yeah, isn't it? God wants to bless you. He wants you to be successful in your career. He wants you to enjoy what you're doing. He wants you to enjoy cleaning that porcelain. He wants you to enjoy building that furniture. He wants you to enjoy counseling. He wants you to enjoy what he's given to you. Little by little, you will increase in wealth as, as you stay faithful with what God's given you. And you'll find your delight in him as you do it. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. So 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 
And we're going to start in, in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son. Now, obviously, we know that Timothy was not Paul's biological son. He was his mentor. He, he discipled him. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you, and this is where I want to zero in today, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is on the inside of you, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, give us a heart that receives the word and produces a great harvest. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You know, how many of you, when you've been driving down the road, maybe you're going somewhere on the interstate or you're, you're driving, you kick on your cruise control. I love cruise control, especially when I'm driving long distances. The problem, though, for me with, with cruise control, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll, let me just pause. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But, but I, I love cruise control. You can turn it on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, cruise control? I'm talking about today shifting out of cruise control. And I'm, I'm not talking about the cruise control on your vehicle. I'm talking about spiritual cruise control. But, but cruise control is defined as a system that is engaged to maintain a selected speed without the use of an accelerator. So when you turn on cruise control, what are you doing? You're turning on a system that will help you maintain whatever the average, the status quo is for you in that moment. Now, I'm going to talk about that in the spiritual sense in a moment. But, but the trouble with cruise control is, one, if you stay in cruise control, you're going to run out of gas. You're constantly going and never refilling. You're never filling up. It's, it's just the status quo. It's the average. You're maintaining. You're just going. And secondly, it's really easy to get in a wreck. Because you're now, you're just sitting back in, in your seat. That's kind of my problem, I'll tell you, with cruise control. Is I, I tend to fall asleep on long trips while I'm driving. I'll be, So it has its, it has its benefits, but, but there's risk when you engage cruise control, right? Why do you disengage cruise control? Well, you turn your cruise control off on your car when what? When someone merges into your lane? Maybe they're going slower than what you're going. They merge into your lane and you're challenged. You've you got to exit off the interstate and, and take your exit. So you've got to turn the cruise. Hopefully you turn the cruise control off when you do that. You don't want to go 60 up that exit. And, and so you turn the cruise control off then, or maybe if you see a police officer sitting alongside the road. Don't look at me like you're so holy. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh! And you disengage your cruise control. So you disengage cruise control when what? You're challenged. Something challenges the speed at which you're going. 
Now, let's just talk about this in the spiritual sense. I want to just break this down and talk about spiritual cruise control. Spiritual cruise control is a system that we engage to maintain and never advance. You see, what the word acceleration means, means to advance. It's not just speed up. It, it means to advance. And so when spiritual cruise control is engaged, it's a safety net. It, it's a comfort, place of comfort. We turn on autopilot. We turn on cruise control. Our faith isn't challenged because we're just maintaining. We're just maintaining. The trouble with just maintaining in a spiritual sense is this. It's the same as the natural. You never refuel. You're always going and you're always running out. You're never at a place where you're receiving from the Lord. Your faith is never growing. You're never being challenged. You're just maintaining. And it's a lot easier to get into a spiritual mess when you're in spiritual cruise control. It's a lot easier to get off the road. It's a lot easier to get in an accident. It's a lot easier to do something that you thought you would never do. Because why? You're in cruise control. And the other thing that's interesting about spiritual cruise control is that the longer that you're in cruise control, the more aggravated that you get when someone challenges you to get out of cruise control. So if you're here this morning and you've been on autopilot for a long time, just the fact that I'm talking about you is making you super uncomfortable. And you're wishing I would preach another message this morning because you don't want your faith challenged. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where the Lord's challenged your faith and you realized, wow, I've, I've kind of grown stagnant. I've, I've put on the maintenance mode. I've put on the self-preservation mode. i put on the, the cruise control. And I'm not being challenged. My faith isn't growing. One of the greatest symptoms of that lack mentality is the cruise control lifestyle. Let me just turn on. I don't want to be challenged. I'll just maintain. My biggest success today is that I'm not failing. I'm just maintaining. My biggest, my biggest success in life right now is that I'm just maintaining. Am I born again? Yeah, but I'm not really diving into the Word of God. Am I born again? Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm okay where I'm at. God's not really convicting me lately. That's good. I'm not being challenged. I'm not growing. I'm okay where I'm at. Oh, it's gotten quiet up in here this morning. Preach, Pastor. Come on. Here we find Timothy in a, in a little bit of a, in a predicament. Timothy has been Paul's disciple. If you remember back to Acts 16, Paul commissions Timothy. He says, I want you to go with me. Paul, you remember, Timothy's background remembers that his dad was a Greek. His spiritual heritage came from his mother, his grandmother, and Paul's in Lystra ministering. He sees Timothy. Timothy's of a good reputation. And he says to Timothy, why don't you come follow me, lays hands on him. The, the uh, leadership in, in Lystra, Paul laid hands on him and sent him off to travel with Paul. And, and Timothy traveled all over. You know, you can look through the scriptures and, and Paul's journeys throughout the New Testament. You see Timothy involved. In Philippians, Paul actually says of Timothy that there was no one like him that that I, uh, we are of like mind. That's a pretty high compliment to be paid by Paul. We're like-minded. We're, we're together in this. This is Timothy. And Timothy also co-authored 
some of the books, the epistles in the New Testament. You'll see where there's, there's notation of, of Timothy's involvement in the writing of Paul's letters. And so Timothy had a really important role in Paul's life and was one of his disciples. Now, in the middle of all of this, Paul starts the church in Ephesus. You remember this in Acts 19? Paul starts the church in Ephesus. It's the revival center. It's revival hub. God's moving. Miracles are happening. Supernatural signs and wonders are happening. Acts 19 is a great chapter to read about revival. Amazing, amazing things are taking place in Ephesus. Ephesus also was the, was the place where the goddess Diana was worshipped. So there was a lot of pagan worship that was happening there. So you've got this church that Paul has started. It has a long history. And Paul says to Timothy, hey, you're going to pastor this church. These are long-term Christians, and you're going to be in a city with extreme pagan worship. I have to say, Paul, I think you got the wrong guy here, you know. I know that I've been traveling with you for a while, but, but maybe not this church. Maybe we can go start another church. I mean, this church has a long history. I mean, Paul, handkerchiefs. Remember the handkerchiefs? They were taking out handkerchiefs, and people were getting healed, and demons were being cast out by your handkerchief. There's, there's a long story here. Maybe not this church. <laughs> Timothy's a young guy, and so he takes the church. And, and how many of you know, just like church goes, everybody had an opinion. Uh, if, you read, if you read Paul's letters to Timothy, that's exactly what was happening. Matter of fact, he addresses, he says, there is, there's idle babblings going on in your church. Gossip is happening in the church, and it's like gangrene. So you're going to have to cut it off. You're going to have to get rid of the gangrene because it will eat up the whole church. That was one of the things Timothy was dealing with. These, these folks who were spiritual, or supposedly spiritual, who looked spiritual, were shipwrecking their faith. And Paul was writing to Timothy about how to pastor them in the middle of all of that. And, and talk, don't, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And in all of this that's going on, how many of you know you would get a little discouraged? The church that you're pastoring is, is turning on you, their pastor, and wants to tell you how to pastor them. And they get, no, that never happens. Not at all. Not at all. They think they know better. And they get offended with you for preaching truth. That would never happen. (laughs) And when you go and say, hey, we're not going to let gangrene continue in our church. They leave. They don't want to get healthy. They'd rather stay sick and ate up themselves with cancer than to be made whole. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. I'm not talking about celebration. I'm talking about the church of Ephesus. I just want to make that clear. I'm talking about the church of Ephesus. And Timothy, he was, he was up to here. He was frustrated. And then you add in the middle of all of that, that the city was full of pagan worship. Matter of fact, Timothy was a martyr because he preached against the pagan worship, and they stoned him because of it. Now, in the middle of all this, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, I want to remind you. He said, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember what's on the inside of you. 
And I want you to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Don't turn on cruise control. Now's not the time to turn on cruise control. It's the time to engage. It's time to to enliven the flames, enliven the embers that are on the inside of you. What what does that mean? When, When Paul writes to him, he says, I remind you to stir up. The, the, flame, the flame, the fire, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Remember this. He says, remember, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God which is on the inside of you. What is he remembering? The faith of God that's been deposited on the inside of you. Remember the faith that's on the inside of you. It was in your mother, it was in your grandmother. Remember this faith and remember what's been deposited on the inside of you. You've got something to offer. There's something that God's given you that you've got to bring to this church. There's something you've got to bring to this church of Ephesus. Does anybody hear me? There's something you've got to bring. God has given you something to deliver in this church. And he told him later in Timothy to fulfill his ministry. Timothy, don't allow the distractions. Don't allow the shipwrecking. Don't allow the impossibilities that are around you to keep you from getting all that God has for you. I'll say that again. Celebration Church, don't allow the impossibilities that you see facing you to keep you and to keep your faith in maintenance mode. If you are here today and you're purely maintaining It's time to disengage cruise control and engage with what God has for you today. Let your faith be challenged. Let the you can have the impossible. God is able to do anything above and beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Don't stay stuck. And what can't happen or why it won't happen. Break through, press through, and let your genuine faith, that word genuine is the sincere, not fake. You've been given faith that is not fake. Allow your faith to run the race with Christ. Remind, I I remind you, that word remind, we talked about it last week. It's not just the concept of remembering something or recalling something, but it's recalling and acting on it. So Paul's telling Timothy, I'm calling you to remember the faith that is in you, and the action I'm calling you to is to stir it up, to fan it into flame. That word stir up in the Greek is to inflame the embers, to revive, to resuscitate, to stir up zeal and strength. You need to not put out the Holy Spirit's fire, but enliven it. If there's but embers in your life, stir them up today and let them be into a full force fire burning in your belly today. Let the passion of God, let as David said, zeal for my father's house has consumed me. Let the zeal of the Lord burn in your belly again. And he says, remember the laying on of the hands. Remember laying on of hands. This wasn't just a blessing. Paul, yeah, I was just think about that for a minute. These hands who had murdered people were now hands carrying the anointing of God. These, these hands that had killed Christians were now laying hands on them and anointing them and depositing the, the presence and the power of the anointing of God and sending people out. So Paul said to Timothy, remember when I laid my hands on you. This wasn't just a religious act or symbol. You received something. There was a deposit made into your life when I laid my hands on you. Remember, I laid my hands on you, and it wasn't for any, just any reason. 
You had been commissioned of God to come with me. And this is the purpose for why you've been commissioned. You are now walking. Remember when I laid my hands. And so I say to you, remember what God has spoken to you when he commissioned you. When he called you, when he made you his own, when he spoke his word into your heart, what was his word to you? Remember what's been deposited into your life. It is of great value. It's not that you bring some immense value to it. It brings value to you, the anointing, the power, and the presence of God. You have become a temple of the Holy Ghost. There is power resident on the inside of you. There is faith resident on the inside of you. Allow what God has deposited to come out. Don't stay stuck in maintenance mode. Don't stay stuck in main, maintaining or, or, or cruise control. But begin to step into what God has called you to. Shifting out of cruise control, you got to remember something. you got to remember your faith. you got to remember what's been deposited in you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now. Everybody say now. now. It's present tense. Faith is present tense. It's happening right now. Faith is happening right now. In this room, faith is happening. In your life, I hope faith is happening. Faith. Now, faith is. Now, I've, I've broken this down on the screen for you because we're going to talk about each of these, these components. Now, faith is the substance of things. Now, when, when people interpret this, a lot of times they, they break off and highlight just on substance. The Greek word that was translated here, put that back up, please. The Greek word that was translated here, substance of things, that, that entire phrase, substance of things, means tangible reality. This is a tangible reality. What is the substance of things? It's a tangible reality. That's what that means. So now faith is a tangible reality. What is a tangible reality? It's tangible. Would you say this pulpit's tangible? Would the, is the person sitting next to you tangible? I sure hope so. If they're not, if your hand goes through them, we might want to, we might be concerned. They're tangible. And then there's this phrase, hope for. Now faith is the tangible reality of things hoped for. Now faith is the tangible reality of hope for. What is the hope for? It means a joyful, confident expectation in something. It means to have a joyful, and this is, this is emphasized in the Greek, a joyful, it's a happy, confident expectation. It's not a sad, confident expectation. Well, the Lord said I was going to be born again, and I'm just waiting around for his coming. It's a happy, joyful, with joy, I will drink from the wells of salvation. It's a, it's a joyful, confident expectation. Let's keep going because we're going to piece all this together. So this is a tangible reality of a confident, joyful expectation. The evidence, the word evidence is proof, like you go to court with proof. So it's the evidence, the proof of what? Things. What things? This word things in the Greek means an accomplished act. This is an action or something that has been accomplished, something that exists, that what is not seen. Now, some of you are getting this. Others of you are saying, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? 
so I'll help you. Faith is, it is a tangible reality. It's, it is as sure, you are as sure of whatever that confident expectation is, you are as sure of it as if you could see it in the natural right now. It is that certain for you. When Jesus told Peter to get out on the water, he walked on the water. Why? He wasn't walking on waves. There was no way. He was walking on his faith in Jesus, in his word. He put his, and it was a solid until his faith was removed. That, that faith was as solid, and he walked on it. It was certainty. So it was the tangible reality of a confident expectation, of proof, proof, of things, actions, activities, things that already exist. What already exists concerning you? The word of the Lord. What has God said in his word? His word already exists. Everything that has been spoken exists. Now that's going to take a second for some of you, obviously, to, to catch that. What he has already spoken concerning you already exists. Why? Because he spoke it. When he said it, it became. When he said, light be, it was, you just don't see it yet. You can't perceive it in the natural always. When God has spoken, you're healed. You may not see it in the natural, but it already exists. Did you hear me? I'm tell, what I'm telling you today, this is scripture, it will, it will cause you to walk in victory. You will walk in victory if you can get this. You're healed. If you're facing cancer, what is the word of the Lord concerning you? You're healed. It already exists. He spoke it. Of things, things, actions, activities that are already present. It exists. Your faith sees what is not seen in the natural. Faith is the, is the reality of what God has already spoken, even when you can't see it. If God says he's going to bring financial breakthrough in your life, and there's, there's financial breakthrough, it already exists. What faith does is faith causes you to see what the natural eye can't see so that you can begin to take responsibility for that word. You can begin to appropriate that word and that reality. You begin to shift out of the reality of debt. You begin to shift out of the reality of sickness. You begin to shift out of the reality of infirmity. And you begin to shift into the reality of I'm healed. I'm free, I have breakthrough, I walk in victory. Does anybody hear me this morning? So you, you get to decide this morning, am I going to stay and feed the dead dog and stay in bondage to my old life, or am I going to walk in the fullness of victory that God's called me to? How do I do that? By faith. By faith. Let me prove it to you, if you still don't believe me. If you keep reading in Hebrews chapter 11, some people have called this the, the hall of faith, if you will. It names all these people. And what does it do? It names their name. It tells what their confident expectation was, what the word of the Lord was concerning them. 
the action that it produced, and then what? The result of that. If you go through and you read Hebrews, all, Hebrews 11, all of it, that's all it is. It is the person, the, the word of the Lord that was spoken to them, what their confident expectation was in, in God. Now, I'm not talking about wishful thinking this morning. I'm not talking about, well, I hope so. It's, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to be an evangelist and go preach the word all over the country. And I'm going to have a multi-million dollar ministry. And I'm going to, and you have, you've not been called into ministry. More than a duck has been called to be a Delta pilot. You just, just because it has skills to fly doesn't mean it has an anointing to do it. So we're not talking about wishful thinking, okay? We're not talking about good ideas. We're talking about what is the word of the Lord for you? What has God spoken? And what he has said, you can place a confident expectation in. And, it, and what has happened? You begin to do something according to that word. If God says, Abraham, you're moving, buddy. And the word of the Lord, and in your seed, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And his confident expectation was in the word of the Lord, and he left his family. He was rich. Abraham was rich, and he left it all to become a vagabond. What we would think is a vagabond, but he had his eyes set on a heavenly city, whose builder and maker was God. Confident expectation. And it produced a result. So when you and I operate in faith, we're no longer operating according to what we wish or we think or what we hope for. But we begin to operate according to the word of the Lord concerning us. Let me take it a bit further. You're not operating according to what someone else thinks about you. You're not operating according to the fear and the failures of your past. I said you're not operating according to your fears and your failures of your past. You're operating by faith in the word of God. Who called you? Who sanctified you? Who justified you? Who's glorifying? You don't have to stay stuck in slavery to the old way of thinking and the old way of doing things. You can operate in faith. And everything that God said, you can have it. Now, that just challenged people. I felt that. I felt that. I was, somebody right then just threw that word right back at me, said, oh, but. I heard the, I heard the whole but. I heard it. Don't raise your hand. I heard it. Your butt's going to get you in trouble. It will keep you out of faith. I was doing good until my wife gave me a look. It will keep you out of faith and in bondage. And the more you use it, the bigger it gets. I should wrap this up. 
operating by faith. I haven't even got through my first point yet. I remind you, Timothy, I need to wrap this up. I remind you, Timothy. I remind you, Kathy. I remind you, Mike. I remind you of the faith. Each one of us, Romans 12, 3 says. I mean, let's just talk about that for a second. Can I, y'all got a minute? Can I, you're not in any major hurry, are you? I'm trying to help you walk in faith. Don't be offended. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Get up on that altar. <laughs> yep, get on, on, get on on that altar. And this is what verse 3, you know, we quote, we, we offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your reasonable service. We quote this all the time, and it's good. And verse 3 is followed up, and it says that each one of us, let each one of us think reasonably or rationally concerning ourselves. Why? According to the measure of faith we've been given. We don't consider ourselves in light of our old selves. Our old life is on the altar. Our old way of doing things is on the altar. Our old perception is on the altar. All those lies and disbelief, it's on the altar. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You've been crucified with Christ. That thing is dead. You don't live according to that thing. But how do you live? According to the measure of faith that you've been given. How do you see yourself? According to the measure of faith that you've been given. You say, well, my, my measure of faith must be really small because I, I don't, I, I'm really not believing God for much. Disengage from cruise control, friend. I remind you, I remind, I remind you to remember the faith that has been deposited on the inside of you and to enliven the embers of that flame. Let it become in your belly, like Jeremiah said, a fire shut up on the inside of you that you cannot keep in. Okay, let's make this practical. So what does this look like with, with your daily life? What does this look like? When you go to the grocery, you're attentive to the word of the Lord. We're going to share about this in a couple weeks, but last Sunday we did a uh, miracle evangelism is the team that did that is going to share and we're going to do this in May and, and, and details are coming. But they were intentional about the word of the Lord. We spent time, we spent about an hour in prayer before they went out on the streets and in the stores and wherever they went. We spent about an hour in prayer and received the word of the Lord for people they were going to minister to. They knew down to the specifics of who they were going to talk to, what they looked like, and what God, had, what God wanted to say to them. And so when they went out and they went looking for the person God sent them to, that specific, and God sends this out to everyone, but this was strategic. It was specific. They were operating in faith to find the one that God had sent them to with the word that God, and every one of them found that person that God spoke to them inside in here. They weren't out looking around trying to find that person, what they looked like. They prayed. God spoke it, and they went out and found him and had an incredible time of evangelism. 
they were operating not by wishful thinking or good ideas. Oh, it sounds like a good idea. Let's go do evangelism. Evangelism is a good, good idea. But it wasn't just limited to a good idea. It was faith in a word that God had given them concerning those they were going to minister to. And when that faith, they began to walk in faith for those they were getting ready to minister to, that faith became alive. They couldn't see it when they were in here. It wasn't tangible when they were in here praying. But when they got out there and saw it, it was reality. They found them. Broke up drug deals or whatever that thing was going on or robbery or whatever was happening. And, you know, walked right into the middle of those things and changed the atmosphere. Why? How can you do that? By faith. You do this in your daily life. When you get up in the morning and you brush them ugly pearly whites... You're not just brushing those pearly whites to go go out and do your job, do whatever it is you do, go to school, do whatever, go through the motions and come home, eat dinner, let the dog out, play with the kids, pay the bills, whatever, go to bed and Groundhog Day on the next day. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? If your life is feeling like Groundhog Day every day, you are in autopilot. You are on maintenance mode. And you need to disengage this morning from maintaining. Disengage from, from that system that's keeping you from advancing. It's keeping you from advancing. Say it again. It's keeping you from advancing. You're moving but going nowhere. You're breathing and doing nothing. Good preaching, Pastor. You disengage, then what happens? Let me let me wrap this up. I know I've said that already. You you gave me you gave me more time. Ephesians. What happens when you disengage? I'm gonna wrap this up. I promise. This is my closing. Ephesians. Matter of fact, Pastor Grayson, y'all can come on back. Ephesians, when you disengage from cruise control, Ephesians 3, what's available? What's available? If you disengage from cruise control and you begin to live by faith, does anybody want to know? Anybody want to know what happens when you disengage from cruise control and walk by faith? I'm going to tell you. Now to him, verse 20. Now to him. Now to who? Him. Who's him? God. Now to him, God, who is what? He's doing the work. He's working in you, both the will and the do. He's doing the work. So when you begin to move out of your fear, out of cruise control, you now move into a place where God's working. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.